ladies and gentlemen, live from land, not sea, where he was for years. It's the JKWD podcast. I got Kelvin giggling. Oh, must, well. be, must be a real thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just easy, man. That's all it is. Apparently, I'm just fake <laughs> laugh. You know. Uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah, got a nice, got a nice podcast coming up here. Oh yeah, you're gonna love this. Um, you know, we're being off. We're getting, we're having some awfully good guests, man. I couldn't, I shouldn't say awfully and good in the same breath, should I? No, they do sound kind of contradictory, but yeah, yeah they're they're amazing. Amazing, amazing yeah. is a good word, yeah. And yeah, the, this guy. I mean, I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. So what we're talking about is. Yeah. Is today's guest, Casper Craven, comes to us uh, via our recent guest, Kathy O'Dowd. Um, she emailed us and said, hey, do you want to talk to a guy who took his family on a boat for two years and around the world? Like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> so so that's Casper. That's Casper Craven. We're talking to him today. Uh, before we do, we're brought to you by Audible. If you want a free audiobook a free month at Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com slash JKWD or just text JKWD to 500-500. And you know what? Casper's book is on Audible. So you can go get that for free. And you, know, you if you're not sold on it yet, just wait till the end of the episode and you will be. He actually says the words, if you are 100% happy with your life, don't read this book because at the end of it, you're going to want to change something <laughs> yeah so of course i have to read it because yeah i don't believe it no you know <laughs> so it's audibletrial.com slash jkwd or jkwd to 500 500 it's your free audiobook your free month at audible and uh, if we drop the music right here Hey, Kelvin, how you doing? I'm awesome. I'm having a great day. Great. Uh, I didn't think I was having a great day when I woke up. I was feeling kind of sluggish. Head was kind of pounding a little bit. But, you know, hang out with you for an hour and, and a half with a, another outstanding, energizing, and, uh, and uh, magnificent human being. Well, you know, that just makes everything better. Fantastic. So I'm doing all right. Good. And uh, how about you? Did you do anything exciting the past week, Mr. Chair? Well, I did. You know, um, be uh, it'll be a couple of weeks ago by the time this comes out, but um, I am 48 hours done with the uh, Rock and Roll Half Marathon in Raleigh. All right. Um, and you're still walking. Uh, so. Barely. Um, I got to tell you, Raleigh, you're a you're a pretty silly you're you're a pretty city, but why so darn many hills? <laughs> Holy crow! <laughs> Every time we thought we we're done, there's another uphill, and that happened all the way to the end. Like the very end, we 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 figured ah oh, we're cruising downhill into the you know we're like twelve and a half miles in, we're cruising downhill. It's a long downhill. It feels really good. We're finishing up. And then the final point three, we get to 12.8 and bam, you're going uphill again and you get around the corner and you look at the finish line and you want to sprint to the finish line, but you're still running uphill No, <laughs> and there is no sprint to the finish. So, you know, we, we, we got it done. Um, and, it, it 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 went. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. Uh, we weren't going for time. My buddy wasn't. Um, you know, hadn't gone any further than seven, and really, 
hadn't gone for, he hadn't gone further than seven miles and and he did that here in savannah where it's flat um so he's been running about five miles for his training runs and you know i'm of the opinion that um when you uh you know something i learned training for my first half was once you kind of get to that five mile point it becomes mind over matter if you have enough water on you if you have um you know, some gels or whatever that you can uh, take in some calories, then uh, if as long as you can fuel your body so that your muscles continue to work, you can just keep running until, you're, until your brain tells you no longer. And then you can just, you can just keep going. That's how people do these, you know, 100, 150, 200 mile runs is that after a while, it just becomes mind over matter. And I mean, you got to keep your body fueled some, but um, you got to stay in shape for that because you've told me some stories about some of those races. Yeah, your legs will your legs will work as long as you let them. Mm. Yeah. So, so I knew that um, he's a younger guy. Uh, He's 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 pretty slim. Uh, So I knew that um i knew that he wasn't going to i knew that physically his body could handle it uh it was just a matter of making his brain do it so we did a lot of walking um and his knees were bothering him by the end but um you know me it's just muscle soreness and uh you know didn't help that i woke up early the next morning and got in a car for six hours uh to get Mm -hmm. home but you know, I got to the gym that evening, um, you know, got to work some of the muscles through, did it again, you know, the next morning. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm getting my legs back uh, and, you know, my cardio still feels pretty good. You know, a lot of people after they go that far are hacking for a couple of days just um, so the lungs aren't used to it. But, but I'm doing all right. And, now I got a full marathon to train for in seven months, and you know it's a weird, it's a weird set of you know I gotta, I gotta like push forward really early in it mm-hmm. just to get myself in shouting range of, of that distance, um, but I'm not going to be able to run you know for five hours at a time when it's 98 degrees with 95 percent humidity because uh-huh. um, that is a recipe for death and I'm not going to be able to run for five hours on a treadmill in the air conditioning because five hours on the treadmill will probably make me a homicidal maniac. Hmm. Um, know thyself. So. Know thyself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so um, I'm going to have to come up with some happy medium over the summer and yeah, maybe I'll, um, yeah, it's a different, set of muscles but you know if i can if i can you know do an hour of running and an hour of swimming and um hop on an exercise bike for half an hour and maybe hop on the treadmill for half an hour that's a that's still a you know a a three-hour cardio workout um starting to make me feel like lazy and (laughs) um so well, yeah, I I got to figure out, you know, kind of a a place to I got to I got to find a place to meet the challenge in the middle during the challenging months. Alrighty then. Well, speaking of challenging months, <clears throat> you know, when I read the story about our guest, they said he sailed around the world. I did not have 2 years in my head as a time frame. So, I think we'll just move on over and say hi to Casper and find out what possessed him to do that. You think? Yeah. yeah <laughs> something like that. <laughs> All right. Let's run it. Enjoy. Casper, uh, do you have a... Because you guys, you, uh, you interviewed Kathy, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So Kathy we, we Dowd? To Kathy O'Dowd, yeah. Yeah, she was awesome. And then she emailed us and said, "Hey guys, do, do you want to talk to um talk to this guy who's put his family on a boat and sailing around the world?" Like, yep, yes we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very nice to be here, and I'm glad she made the connection. I guess the obvious 
place to start is how and why did you put your family on a boat sail around the world? Okay. Do you want me to tell you the full story? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I'd actually sailed around the world before um, in 2000. So that was um, yeah, competitive yacht race. So I've always loved sailing and uh, boats and going fast and stuff like that. And um, this time around, it was uh, we were two, 2009, and uh, my wife and I were both in our mid to late 30s. And I was working in um, a small business, and we had sales of about small consultancy business. We had sales of about half a million dollars, losing money, and um, you know I was working 16, 18 hours a day in the business. And barely saw my wife, barely saw my kids, and our relationship wasn't particularly healthy because, you know, we argued about money and what do we want to do in life and uh, all that sort of stuff. And we were kind of asking ourselves the question, it's like, is this all there is to life? What else is there? Because this just feels like really hard. And um, we came up with this idea to go and sail around the world for two years with our kids. Back then we only had two kids. And... Um, there were many reasons why we shouldn't do it. So um, we didn't have the money. It was a pretty obvious one. <laughs> um, my wife had only sailed twice back then, and um, she'd been seasick both times. And um, oh, we didn't have a boat as well. That was another obvious reason. So oh, okay. what was the last one? <laughs> we didn't have a boat. <laughs> oh, well, that's exciting. <laughs> so given your circumstances, it does not seem like sailing around the world was the obvious choice. It doesn't, does it? You know, in some cases, it's like, hey, we got to do something to shake this all up. Hey, let's sail around the world. I know some people might opt for a, I don't know, week in China. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing what it, it did there. You know, the, um, the whole thing about the relationship stuff is um, – you're sort of you're, you're here in the middle of like a time of the relationship, and this is the past, and this is the future. And I love the, the um, Tony Robbins has this saying that if you do what you did at the start of a relationship, there won't be an end of the relationship. So you go back and you find that joyfulness and that playfulness and that passion, right. and that's here, and that's you're going back. But my take is, well, why don't you look forwards and create something that's really exciting out there in the future? Because you can't go back because you're different people, because you change over time. Right. So what we did, we spent six months creating this story, this narrative, what this place over here looked like in the future that was just incredibly exciting. And actually, you know, it didn't start off as being about sailing. So we talked about the uh, – so, so here's the visualization. right? Here's all the things that I wanted to do. Here's all the things that my wife Nicola wanted to do. And if we just sort of like held our own ground and said, okay, those are, those are the things we really want to do, all we would have done is like clashed heads and had more arguments. And it's like, you know, you can't build on conflict. You can only right. build on shared ground. So we just like took these things and said, what have we got in common? We found a couple of things that we had in common. We dropped everything else. And these little bits here in the middle. So one of them was we wanted to get a carnival in Brazil. Um, Another one was we wanted to go and see the elephants in Africa. Another one was we wanted to go diving in the Great Barrier Reef. So we cut out loads of pictures and we talked about this stuff that we want to do here, just focusing on this bit. Nothing else made the conversation other than the shared things. And what that did, that created energy and excitement. And that then grows, that energy grows. So then it started to include other things that were both of our lists. But if we'd gone to those other things to start with, it would have just had an argument. So that was uh, where, where it started from. We spent six months sort of talking about our vision for, for life and, and how we wanted to be different. And we had this vision statement on the wall in our kitchen and we had this big map of the world. And we created this, um, this thing which we call the Winner's Bible. We're not religious, but we um, call it a Bible anyway. And it had you know, pictures and all different stuff we wanted to do. And we talked about it like all the time. And we told everybody we we're going to go and do this. And of course, everybody laughed. But it was just creating that sort of, you know, hugely compelling picture of the future. So this, so we were here, there's this thing over here. We created this thing that's literally pulling us into the future. Mm -hmm. So it was so exciting. So that was kind of where it all started. Wow. Well, uh, 
Okay. At that point, was there a boat involved? <laughs> <laughs> there was no boat then. So, so we gave ourselves five years. Okay. Five years to make the whole thing happen. So that was back in 2009. And we said, uh, 1st of August 2014, we're going to set sail as a happy, contented family. And... Um, yeah, so, it, so we had five years to literally change, change everything in our world. So, and, you know, the tr truth be told, we only got the boat um, 10 weeks before we left. Wow. So, um, it, oh, really? you know, I, so it was I, the last piece. <laughs> it, was the, it was the last piece to drop into place. And, uh, you, know, this, you know, this saying that uh, nothing ever happens without a deadline. I wholeheartedly right. believe that. If we didn't have a date to say we are leaving on this date, it would never have happened. Now, what were what were your lives like when you started this planning process in 2009 to when you actually set out in 2014? So what was our life like in 2009? Yeah, versus what it was like in 2014. I mean, what did you, you know, how many kids did you have? How old were they in 2009? Same in 2014. Okay. You know, what were you doing for, what were each of you doing for work if you're both working? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So 2009, um, uh, we we're both in our mid late thirties. We had two kids. They were aged four and two. Mm -hmm. My business was um, a consultancy business. We did data analytics um, consultancy, um, and uh, my wife worked as an HR manager in a, uh, a small business. Um, so yeah, that that was our life back then. And in two thousand and fourteen, when we left, we had three kids by then. Uh, they were aged nine, seven, and two. When the two-year-old came along, everybody said, you're not going sailing now, are you? And it's like, no, no, we're still going because we've got a date in the diary. Um, and uh, my wife had left her job by then because in that process, to in that five years, we turned that first business around and uh, we ended up um, selling that business for seven figures whilst we sailed across the Pacific. So actually, I ran the business, um, I was running the business whilst we were on the boat. And we created two other million-dollar businesses in that uh, five-year period. And, you know, I've been trying to build businesses for years. But the only thing that made a big difference for us was having this huge, crazy goal and, um, you know, being totally committed to it. That kind of gave me the juice to do it. So the other business was a, a collection of 500 online dating sites. And uh, what was the last part? 500 online dating sites. <laughs> You you did what to them? Created them. You created them. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, these sites for like grand adventurers, or what are we talking here? <laughs> so they were um, they were different. Well, too close. They were different niches. So there was like doctors dating, teachers dating, Catholics dating, over fifties dating, old people dating. You know, anything, anything. <laughs> it's anything where we could find a niche, we built on it. So. Oh wow! So that was a new business, completely new business that we created because um, we had to make them create the money to go make this happen. Wow! Well, that's pretty exciting. So, <clears throat> man, all right. After you got that first dream, you, know, you know, there's a lot of people in the world for some reason who still poo-poo goals. You know, it's like, oh, goals, those don't work, and and, and I'm like, I don't know what they're smoking, but. Um, <laughs> When you when you put all this together, I mean, how did you how did you keep that vision and keep that energy uh, to where you were headed? And did you at the beginning? Sorry, I'm stack, I'm stacking questions. Visualize the final trip. I mean, the the trip you actually went on was it anything close to what your original vision was? Okay. My suspicion is you already know the answer to that question because um, <laughs> I think we have a similar mindset and approach. So, oh, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Only the way you frame the question. So okay, we're having, um, we're having a little bit of the, we spent six months bubble right now. So okay, go ahead and try again. Your your internet's fading in and out, but go ahead and give it a shot. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah. Yes, sir. Perfect. So that six months we spent talking about the end vision was super, super important. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff around goal setting. And people think, oh, that's easy. I know how to do that. 
but don't go into it in the depth that you need to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talk about making a committed decision. So back then, we made a decision that this was going to happen. And it wasn't, oh, it would be nice to happen. It's, this is going to happen, come hell or high water. We are going to find a way or we're going to make a way. So that vision statement, um, we wrote it out and it was handwritten. It went on the kitchen wall and we told every single person that we knew that this is what we're going to do. And every day we'd come down and we'd see this map of the world on the wall. And every morning I would come down 5.30 in the morning and I would have this morning routine. I'd sit there and I would spend 10, 15 minutes and I would visualize this and I would do this exercise that I call the theater in, in my mind. And um, I would see the whole thing happening. I'd see us buying the boat. I'd see us sailing down the English channels, sailing into the Canary Islands, through the Panama Canal. By the time we got to South Africa, the kids would be sailing the boat. And I can, as I'm telling you now, I can see it all in rich, vivid detail in my imagination. And, you know, I saw it in my mind long, long, long before it ever happened. So that was the first part, the vision part. The second part is why did it matter? And, you know, it's great having a vision, but if you haven't got a strong reason why, then, you know, the tendency is you'll, you'll give up because, you know, you're going to encounter a whole bunch of headwinds and, and stuff on the way. And, you know, my wife and I, our, our reason why was slightly different. My reason why was to create magical, life-changing experiences for us and our children. And because we told everybody, including our kids, about it, they knew that we were going to go and make this happen. So it was, um, you know, whenever you know, we did something that failed and we lost money and we got knocked, flat, knocked down flat and we had to get back up again, it was that reason why that got us going again. So, um, uh, you know, the whole thing you said about the, the vision and the goal setting, it's, it's absolutely fundamental that you've got to do it properly. A lot of people say cognitively, oh, oh yes, I know what to do. I, I'll, I'll go and do it. But there's a difference between knowing what to do and really going deep into it. And, um, yeah, going whole nine yards. So that's, that's what I'd say about that. Awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Josh, Josh is looking pensive there. Well, I'm just, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of a logistics guy. So how, yeah, how does all this work? So you, so you, you get your plan together. You, now, now you've got your boat, you're 10 weeks out. You're going to sail around the world for two years or however long it was going to wind up being, because you—I mean—you wanted to hit Carnival, you wanted to hit the Great Barrier Reef. You had your—you had your points that you wanted to stop at, and you know you can—you can plan to some extent, but uh, you know your your path and your timeline are dictated a little bit by weather patterns as well. Um, you don't have full control over that, and now you have three kids, two of whom are school aged. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how, I don't know how the school system works in the in the UK. But if we were to do that um, in the US, we'd have to have a way to check in with the school system. I mean, clearly it's an educational experience, and uh, we can, you know, we can call that we can call it homeschooling for sure. Um, yeah, but we have to have a way to check in with the. Yeah, you know, with the state to say, hey, this is what we've this is what we've done, uh, and here's how they're progressing. Um, what are what are some of those challenges, and how did you overcome those? Yeah, no, that's a great question. But there's a lot there as well. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> let me break that down a little bit. So yeah, the, the I mean, the first bit goes back to the whole thing about team. And, you know, one of the things when I was building business for businesses, I got to a point where um, I was driving business so hard that everybody turned around and threatened to leave. And I was there, it's like, okay, I need to do something very, very different here. So I had to go back and learn how to be a leader again. And in that uh, process of breaking everything down that I knew uh, and relearning, someone told me this uh, wonderful phrase, which is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And for me, that's all about building your team. And my wife and I 
had to work together as a team. And we came up with this joke that if it was down to my wife, nothing would ever get started. And if it was down to me, nothing would ever get finished. So when you talk about the logistics, my wife used to carry around this huge file of all these different things because there is an insane amount of work you need to do to get ready for this. So you've got to get the, the boats ready. You've got to learn how all the different parts of that work and how you fix them. We had to go and do huge amounts of training. So we both trained to become ship's doctors. So in case oh, wow. of medical emergencies, what do we do? Um, we had to go and learn weather, rigging. I mean, the list was endless in terms of things. Schooling was definitely one part of that. And to pick up on that specifically, we went and spoke to the, the teachers at the kids' schools and we told them what we were doing. And, you know, they were incredibly supportive. And here's the interesting thing about the British school system. If you want to take the kids out of school for one day, they get really upset because it screws up their numbers. If you want to take them out for two years, it's like, yay, if you go. <laughs> <laughs> so long as you've got a good thing that you're going to go and do and you've thought about it. So, you know, we loaded the boat up with books from the, the UK national curriculum. And um, so, yeah, so, so we were following that. And here's a story about this. So we got about a month in and I was sitting down trying to teach my son about uh, the kings and queens and Tudor England and stuff like this. And like outside there's flying fish and we're catching fish and there's all these amazing places. And he's looking at me and saying like, why the, you know, are you getting me to learn this stuff? I'm not even remotely interested. And after about an hour, I'm sitting pushing around a and around a piece of paper and nothing happening. It's like, okay, we need a different approach. So what we did is we chucked the books over the side and we said, okay, what are you interested in? And so my son said, I'm super interested in fishing. Like, fantastic. So we got all the fishing books out and he uh, started to uh, yeah, learn about all the different fish and different oceans, how big they got, how fast they swam. Um, then we started catching fish. So we're catching uh, bluefin tuna, yellowfin tuna. We're catching mahi-mahis and stuff like this. And so he's then weighing the fish. He's then measuring the fish. He's starting to write up in his journal about where we've caught them. We're dissecting them. So he's learning biology. So it's taking him to literacy, to numeracy, to biology. He then sets up a business making and selling fishing lures and selling advice sheets to other yachts. So it takes him there to sales, to marketing, to, you know, I mean, just everything. And so it was an unconventional education. Um, but uh, but it, it worked because, you know, you follow what kids, what they're interested in. When, when, you, when you follow something you're truly passionate about, your learning rate goes up like by a thousand percent. So yeah. it's, um, it was the right thing to do. So. That was Awesome. You know, that quote you just mentioned, I just heard last night. <clears throat> so this is the universe saying, yeah, keep talking to this guy. So <laughs> <laughs> just last night. Um, wow. So how long now you, you said when you want to take you, how long did you take him out of school? Was it two years? Two years. Yeah. Two so years. it took you two years to sail around the world. Yeah, we actually went one and a half times around the world. Because one time wasn't enough. Oh, well, you know, it sounds like the kind of ice cream I like to eat. One box is never enough. You just got to do a little bit more. <clears throat> so at the end of all of that, that incredible adventure, I, I looked at some of your videos this morning and I was seeing some of the waves out there. And I was like, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and, and then I think about, you know, smooth sailing does not make a sailor, you know, yeah, all that. But at the end of all of this thing, and, and we'll, we'll go back to some parts in the middle. When you got done this incredible adventure, how was your family? How were you guys doing? So the... I'll tell you, so I'll get back in time a little bit in our story. So when I, I sailed around the world in 2000 on this thing that was called the World's Toughest Yacht Race. The and World's Toughest? Yacht Race. Okay. So basically it was, that, that's where a lot of the, the big the video and the big waves come from. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was real hardcore racing down in icebergs, down near Antarctica and all that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. And the, I remember coming back from that and three months afterwards, I remember finding myself sitting in the bottom of my dad's garden at three o'clock in the morning with a bottle of whiskey. 
because you have an incredible high, where do you go after that? <laughs> you crash. <laughs> yep. So I knew, and we had this baked into our vision statement right from the start, that this had to lead somewhere interesting and exciting. This couldn't just be a one-off adventure. This had to go somewhere else. So right from the, the start, we knew this was going to go somewhere, but we didn't know what it was. So as we um, sailed back across the Atlantic from South Africa to Brazil, heading towards Carnival, we, we spent a lot of time talking about where do we want to live? What do we want our life to look like? And we made the decision that actually we wanted to spend part of our uh, year in, in the States, America, just because we, we love it over here. So we ended up um, sailing the boat um, to San Francisco, which is where I am right now. And we said that we're going to go and create new missions and new ventures and things to move on to. So we've got the kids settled. They're all back in school. They've not skipped a beat. And, um, you know, they're, they're just they're doing just fine. And uh, my wife and I are on a mission right now. And it's... Um, Basically, it's disrupting as many people as we can. I would like to disrupt millions of people around the world. And when I say disrupt, I mean disrupt in a good way. To get people to ask the question of what's really important to you in life. And then to really just answer that question and to then go for it. Because, you know, back in the day when we came up with our vision, Everybody said, you know, well, we, we couldn't do that because we haven't got the money and, you know, our relationship's not great and we've got kids, so we can't go and do these things. And it's like, you know, we knocked away all those obstacles. So I've literally just released a book here in the States last week called Where the Magic Happens. And the essence of that, where the magic happens, is where you step outside your comfort zone. You know, that famous uh, picture, where it's your mm -hmm. comfort zone here and the magic happens over here. Yep. So and contained in that book, it's not just our story, but a blueprint for how anyone else can grab hold of their life, their relationships, and sort of go and create whatever it is that they want. So that's the mission that I'm on. And the, the part of each of us which enables us to go and do that is what I call the brave you. Now, inside of us, all of us, We've all got a brave part. There's all times in our lives where we've been brave. We've stepped into uncertainty with courage. And even though we don't know what the answers are, we've gone for it. So my next book and the next mission that I'm working on is called The Brave You. And that's training people to be more brave, developing brave fitness. So whether that's in your family life, whether that's in your own life, whether that's in a business context. So... That's what I'm um, uh, training people to do now is to be more brave mm -hmm. and uh, disrupting people so that, um, you know, we're not just sort of going through sleepwalking through life, just doing what everybody else says we should go and do. But it's grabbing hold of things that set your soul on fire and speak to you. And it's different for every single person. You know, very few people out there will want to go and sail around the world, but everyone will have something that's really important to them. And you know, the, the story I have around this, you remember when you, when you left college in your early 20s and you, know, you felt the world was like, you know, you could do anything, you're invincible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the time we got to our yeah, mid to late 30s, and it's like we were just feeling worn down with life and just following this pattern that everybody else had defined for us. And the thing that we basically said was, well, screw it. Why do we follow that pattern? Let's go and create our own path. And I think we did some things that were unusual, unique, and that's what I, I, I'm super keen to share with people. And uh, that's why I want to disrupt as many people as I can to get them to go and find things that sets their soul on fire. This is this is the second time in the week I've heard that for, that kind that that too that disrupt thing. So I'm no. like, I know I'm supposed to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go, Casper Craven, the disruptor. That's it. It'd make a nice movie, man. You just understand. <laughs> <laughs> so there were five years between uh, well I mean it was a it was an intentional five years between you know when you sat down to develop this plan and when you were actually going to set sail yeah. uh, now I know that gave you something to look forward to but five years is going to sound like a lot of time for some people and I mean especially in a society that's very much um, immediate 
an immediate gratification society. So how do you get through those five years with just a, I mean, even, even as you get 60% closer, you're still talking about something that's two years off. Um, How do you manage the day-to-day short-term frustrations as you're looking as at a goal that seems so far away? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So look, I mean, you know, our, our thing was pretty extreme. Here's the thing. One of the key things that we had to do was to, uh, one of the key skits. See, it's a whole emotional resilience piece because nobody teaches you this in school. And it's only when you hit like a brick wall and a frustration and things aren't going your way that you have to go and learn those emotional skills. And, you know, we did, we did a huge amount of work on this. And, you know, we developed these routines. So one of the things that I would do every evening before I would go to bed, I would uh, write a gratitude journal and focus on the things that I was grateful for. In the morning after I'd done my visualization, I would do this breathing technique and, you know, I'd focus on things that I wanted to make better in the world. And so it was just about preparing my mind to be able to deal with those frustrations. Um, because, you know, in business, in life, whatever it is, you're gonna, stuff isn't, is going to go wrong. And the only way that anything that makes a difference is how you deal with that. So it's all about your mindset and your approach. So in that uh, five years, I mean, it was a long time because we had a lot to achieve. Right. Um, it was, um, yeah, just sort of learning how to deal with stuff. And it was exactly the same skill sets that we needed to build the businesses, to deal with our relationship, to get over those issues with the same skill sets that we need to deal with things when they went wrong when we were at sea. Um, and it's kind of the thing that I'm most proud that I've taught my kids is the emotional resilience side of things and, um, and getting resourceful and, you know, using whatever it is that you've got that's around you. So I always tell a story about resourcefulness that, you know, when we were on the boat, we had a couple of situations where things went pretty badly wrong. And when you're out there on a boat in the middle of the ocean and um, your, your mast is about to fall down, there's no way you can go and go. There's no shop you can pop into to go and get the bits that you need. You can't go and find an engineer to go and fix it for you. It's just you there on the boat. You've got what you've got, nothing more. And you have to figure out a way around that. And it's, it's your mindset that um, will help you deal with that. So um, so the answer, very short answer to the question in terms of you know how do you deal with those frustrations, it's all about your, your mindset and your approach and training yourself to, to deal with different situations. Great. Now, um, as you're... So, so now, as you deal with the day-to-day frustrations, you know, leading up to you know, taking off on this journey, um, and yeah, you know, that's a journey in itself for sure. But now, now you've set sail. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sure that as you're sailing, you you've got some bad days, some probably some bad weeks uh, out there. When you when you make port somewhere that you really enjoy what pushes you back out to sea <laughs> the uh, it's funny there's this irony about sailing that whenever you're in land you're itching to get out to sea and uh, because you love being out there on the water and um, it's just an amazing place to be and then when you're on the water you've been out there for a week or so you're itching to get into that <laughs> to get into the, there's a really sort of like weird double irony about that but the uh, but the part about going back out to sea again i mean for me personally i always say that i'm far happier on water than i am on land it's where i get my spiritual connection mm-hmm. i'm not religious but i just feel this incredible connection and you know being out there sort of you know thousands of miles from any piece of land you've got the stars above you and uh, you know beautiful winds boats carving through the water and you know we as a family were far far happier on long passages because you just get settled into a rhythm and a way of life i mean for us that was where magic happened when we were out there on those long passages so um yeah going out and um, spending time talking with my kids you know we sit around the dinner table three times a day we'd play games we'd talk we'd laugh we'd share stories and um, you know there were no devices on the boat, so no sort of you know iPads and things like that. And right. um, you know we're just enjoying time together as as people. 
So, um, so now it's pretty easy to you know get head back out to ocean to go and do that stuff. So. Very nice. What were some of the favorite places that you stopped? Um, so various places. So one of the places that was really unexpected for me was Panama, and it's it's a really compact place. There's so much there. So on the Caribbean side, you've got the uh, the San Blas Islands, which are these spectacular islands. Um, you know the Microsoft um, screensaver on the uh, on the Windows thing with all the beautiful islands. Yeah. Uh, that was photographed in the San Blas Islands. Oh, okay. And there's, yeah, I think it's like 300 odd of these little islands. And uh, most of them are uninhabited. Just amazing. And then you've got the Panama Canal, which is just the most incredible engineering feat. You've got all the tribes up in the, uh, up in the hills. Um, you've got Panama City, which is just like a crazy, crazy city. And then you've got another set of islands on the other side called the Las Perlas Islands, uh, which is where they actually filmed the TV series Survivor. And in a short space of area, I mean, it's just the most insane place. I would say if anyone wants two weeks worth of experiences, get a Panama. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, so that was amazing. Um, but officially, the, uh, the most beautiful island in the world is um, somewhere in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's called uh, Cocos Keeling. And um, yeah, my, my heart's there because it's just the most stunning island. You go swimming in the most crystal clear blue waters. And, uh, and you're surrounded by turtles and huge fish and coral and sharks and um, yeah, it's just amazing. So uh, that, that, that's my favorite place. Hmm. So now you're you now you're back. You're writing books. You're teaching. You're uh, I don't know if the TED talks were before or after your adventure. Uh, uh, after. So aside from what that's done for your family so how, how are you using that to uh or what from that that whole process are you now teaching people because you're, you're teaching people how to get this resiliency and everything that you talked about and yep. um what is your i don't know i mean what do you what do you what do you what are you saying to us what's the uh the, the capsulization of everything you learned on that trip and what you're teaching people and how to how to uh, uh, make their lives better okay yes yeah, so that's uh, that's a great question so look so the, the, the first thing is working out what's truly important to you and you and those people the loved ones around you so whether that's um, you know family partner children what's really important to you in life and spending time answering that question you know the um, so the, uh, when I first sailed around the world, there was a gentleman called Sir Che Blythe. He said these words to me before I signed up for that race. He said, Casper, there'll come a time, a time just before you, look, just as you, just before you, you draw your final breath. You'll look down at your toes and you'll ask yourself, have I done everything that I want to do in life? And he said, if the answer's no, you're going to be pretty brassed off. So stop messing around, work out what you want to do and go and get on with it. So... I kind of want to disrupt everybody and say, what's that thing that you really, really want to do? Because most people put work goals first. And my thing is all about putting you and your family first. Work out that big vision for your life and then everything else fits behind that. And we all get sucked into this routine of saying, you know, it's got to be this work goal or that work goal. And uh, I turn it around. So, so that's the first thing. So getting really, really clear on that. And, you know, it can take, it takes time to answer that question. It took us six months to answer that question. And you, you know, some people say, well, you know, I want to be financially free or I want to be happy. And that's great, but you need to go deeper than that. And you keep asking yourself and your subconscious will start producing different answers for you. If you ask yourself that question repeatedly and you, you share that with your partner. And you, you drill down to that level of depth. So that's that first thing of getting really, really clear on, um, on where you want to go. And then after that, the, the other thing that I'm sort of um, training, teaching people on is how do you build businesses that can run without you? So, you know, for years I was building uh, businesses where I was, you know, all involved in it. And my ego was wrapped up in that as well. And I came to realize, well, those three businesses that I built, I created them so that I wasn't involved in them at all. I set them up. I just got brilliant people there. And that's all about getting really clear on the vision, what are the values of the business, how do we show up, how do we behave, how do we operate. So I guess it's those two things. It's 
you know, getting really clear on where do you want to go, being brave, going out there. And then the second part is how do you build businesses that can support that lifestyle? So those are kind of two things that I'm teaching people. Awesome. Is there anyone who has been instrumental, any, any book, any author <clears throat> who has been instrumental in the mindset that you've developed to, to put all this stuff into place? Lots, lots of people, lots of people. I mean, you know, in that five year journey, I went around and I sort of, I was attending four conferences a year. I was reading probably, I don't know, 50, 60 books a year. And who stands out for me in that, in that stuff? Tony Robbins did a lot of stuff with him. Um, a guy called Dan Kennedy runs, uh, ran the uh, Glaze Kennedy inside a circle. Um, so that, so those two guys were, you know, quite influential, but there was, there was a ton, ton more people and, you know, no, no one's got all the answers and you, you go around and, um, yeah, you, you take on board stuff and you try stuff and if it works, you do more of it and if it doesn't, you do less of it. So, um, yeah, just surround yourself with the smartest people that you can. I can't see you, Josh, you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm taking notes as I usually do. Uh, oh yeah. But I guess you can't see me looking down. And I can't see you looking down book. now. So <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I, I didn't want I didn't want to steal the show from you because you know. <laughs> so now that you've done this, you you've got one book that you're. Uh, you're touring the U.S. with right now, and uh, it's launching that uh, next month in the U.K. Um, you've got your you've got your next book in the works already. Um, what's the do you do you have a a long term you know, do you do you have the next few steps planned out? Um, do you have new adventures? Do you have a you know, do you have a new thing to to shoot for? out there yeah i do so so since i've been back i've been sharing these stories these messages on stages all around the world and i found it the most addictive thing that i've ever done to be able to take a, a room full of people and take them from one place and an hour later leave them in a different place with ideas and energy and you know for, for years when i was in the corporate world and running my own businesses i always thought that i had to do and say things in a certain way and for the past year, I've just felt utterly liberated by going and doing this. And, you know, my mission right now is to inspire millions of people all over the world every year to grab hold of what's truly important to them and their family. And so, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur with loads of different businesses going on. But actually, I've kind of focused 100 percent on this mission, the, 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 you know, making magic happen and finding the brave you just because it's just the most intensely rewarding thing I've ever done, just being able to impact other people and help make shifts in people's lives. So that's my, my personal mission. Sure, there's more adventures planned out there and um, we're going to go and do some more sailing adventures and some more traveling adventures. But the, the number one thing for me by far is this uh, mission, helping people to be more brave. So that's, my, that's my direction right now. Great. Kevin, you got anything else before we? Uh... Oh, I was I was going to ask him. So so, what what haven't you, what haven't you told us yet? What is it that you came here to say to our audience that we haven't given you the opportunity to say yet? What what is that thing you want to give us? That's a great question. Yeah. Well, look, the um, that's um, a from Josh. <laughs> well, look, I I would love anyone to go and um, if if any of these ideas resonate to go and uh, get uh, my, my book, um, Where the Magic Happens. Just um, Google my name in, in Amazon. And, uh, but you should not read them. If, if, if you're 100% happy with your life, you should not read that book because by the end of it, you'll be disrupted. And uh, <laughs> you will go and do things that you weren't going to go and do before, I promise you, because that's the feedback that I get from everybody. <laughs> so, um, so that, that would be the first thing that I would say. Um, but now I think, I think the, th the key thing, it's all about this we rather than me. And we, we kind of talked about that. But just sort of um, yeah, spending time listening and talking to your partner or who you, whoever you share your life with and asking that question, you know, what's really important to both of us and doing stuff together. Because, you know, where the magic happens, right? I remember years ago going traveling. And you go and sit down on the beach and you see the most beautiful sunset in the world. 
But if it's just you on your own, it's like, well, yeah, that's pretty cool. But it's when you can share those experiences with somebody else, then it just totally transforms it. So that's where the, where the magic happens, going doing those things together. So that's what I'd say. I like that term disruptor. Um, typically, if we hear something like that, it's it's going to be a negative. But I've heard it a couple of times recently in a positive uh uh, you know, way changing changing the status quo basically and making things better, and the way you're using it with disrupting people and where they basically where they are in their life like now and right now and helping them find what it is they really want to do, who they really want to be, how they really want to feel. Um, I like that. Uh, I'd like to adopt that. Is that okay with you? Please do. Please do. <laughs> I mean, this, this is all about spreading the message, right? And um, you know, it's making the world a better place. I mean, you know, the world right now, there is so much uncertainty. There is so much change going on politically, economically, culturally. Everything is changing. And you know, one of my mentors, Dan Kennedy, used to say you know, in a business context, if you plan on being in the business that you're in in five years' time, then you won't be in a business and you know there is so much change that we have to learn how to embrace uncertainty and change and it's being forced upon us so the only way that we can deal with that is being brave and I think that comes back to sort of what's really important to you and then you know grab hold of that because and it's like it's also the other thing of educating our kids you know the skills and the way that we're teaching them in schools it's stuff that worked 100 years ago. We don't know what's happening in five years' time, let alone 20 years' time. So, you know, these skill sets, they apply to everything. Um, and it's, it's how we prepare ourselves for the world going forward. Great. Where where do you hang out online? Where can people connect with you and get a cool. hold of you? And- so um, the first thing is just stick my name into Google, Casper Craven. There's, <laughs> there's only one of me, Casper, um, C-A-S-P-A-R. The ghost is spelled E-R, I'm spelled A-R. Um, and um, so there's my website, caspercraven.com. Uh, but I'm also on um, LinkedIn, uh, on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, uh, all those things. Um, but yeah, just just stick my name into, into Google and uh, stuff will come up quite quickly. So. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your press tour um, as those things go and uh, we look forward to um, to seeing the uh, the future here with you thank, thank you very much look I, re- I, I really enjoyed the great questions and uh, just the conversation so thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some stories with you guys and your listeners you're so welcome you keep doing what you're doing we're probably going to have to have you back so we can get the sequel you know <laughs> Yeah, when that when that next book comes out, we definitely want to uh, you know give us a shout because because we'll have you back. I look forward to it very much. All right, thank you so much. Right. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye bye. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. Show notes and more at jkwdpodcast.com.